Father, we come before you in prayer and ask that you'd open our hearts, our minds, our spirits. Father, may our spiritual eyes and ears be open to your word this morning. And uh, Father, we pray that we'd be encouraged in our meditations this morning. Father, bless the words of the speaker. May they be your thoughts. And Father, we just pray that you'd be glorified in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. So, <clears throat> part two of where we were last week. Um, the verse that we started off from last week was in Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. The church is a spiritual house, and that's what we're referring to this morning. This spiritual house. Unless the Lord builds this spiritual house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Amen. Um, I spoke last week on the importance of foundations. I'm just going to quickly recap on last week's message. And uh, the message was entitled, Unless the Lord Builds the House. And in it I began to share what I think the Lord is saying to this church family here. And I encouraged us to look through the eyes, uh, through the lens of faith. Um, when you look through a lens, it focuses, it focuses you on, well, I'll not get technical, but let's just say that lenses help us to focus on the subject. And uh, for us, the subject is God and what he's doing, and for us to be part of what he's doing. And I don't think I need to keep saying this, but I'll say it again just in case. Whitburn Pentecostal Church is his church. It's his church. So when I refer to our church, you know what I mean. It's this small part of his church that we have been called to serve in. And our mission as a church is simply stated to be Christ-centered and community-focused. Why? Because Jesus' words are the foundation of what has just been stated, the great command and the great commission. And uh, Jesus was asked a question, uh, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And this is what he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. To be Christ-centered is to love God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. It's when God has number one position in our lives. It's when God is in the driving seat of our lives. So to be Christ-centered is to have Him at the center of all that we do, all that we are. To be community-focused is to love our neighbor. It's simple. You know, people say that Christianity is really complicated, and when you get into some of the theology and all the study, you know, it can become complicated. But I think the core of the Christian message is really simple, and it's contained in the very words that we've just read. So to be Christ-centered and community-focused is an expression of Jesus' summation of the greatest commandment. Two things out of 630-odd commandments that the, the Jewish people would follow. And then the second verse that I want to draw our attention to is also in Matthew. It's Jesus' commission to his disciples. He says, therefore, go. Don't stay in church. Don't stay in what you're familiar with and what you're happy with and what makes you feel comfortable. But go and make disciples of 
all nations. You know, I take my hat off to missionaries who've went out into all nations, and some of them have never come back. They used to be called one-way missionaries. It's just incredible to think about the sacrifice that these people made. They didn't have comfy seats on planes either. They had three- and four-month journeys in a boat, probably feeling seasick and all sorts of things, and probably arriving in the place without all the help that we have these days just to tell people about Jesus. One such man was David Livingston. We passed by uh, his way when we were down um, at Andrew Mullis's new place, uh, dropping Suzanne off. David Livingston, a man who gave up and sacrificed for the sake of the gospel, a man who said, give me Africa lest I die. We have to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus is saying this to his disciples. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We don't go on our own. We might feel like we're on our own sometimes, but God is with us. It says that in the Bible, that he'll be with us. It says it here. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, have the disciples lasted to the end of the age? They lasted to the end of their age, but there's been a whole bunch of disciples have come since those disciples. Take a look around you. You're looking at some disciples today who Jesus says to, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All of us, he's with us. And that encourages me. I'm hugely encouraged by that. Because I know that I can't do this in my own strength. I spoke about foundations and the church because I feel that that's what God has been speaking about. Remember the analogy of the garden shed? If you put down a six by four foundation, all that you can build on it is a garden shed. Okay? I don't have the inspiring picture of the other shed because I thought I don't want to repeat too much of what I said last, last week. But garden sheds like this are functional, fit for purpose, and feasible. I think what God wants us to attain to is something that is beyond what we can achieve in our own strength. If we can do it, where does the faith come in? If we can accomplish it through our own gifts, giftedness, and skill, where does the faith come into that? My desire is to build something here for Him that gives glory to Him that's beyond functional, that's beyond fit for purpose, and that's beyond what we can achieve without God. Last week I spoke about foundations and how Christ is the cornerstone of the church, globally as well as locally, and throughout all of time for each successive generation. I spoke of the fact that the cornerstone in a building takes the way and gives each other stone its place in the building. I spoke about the fact that leadership means carrying responsibility, carrying burdens along with Christ, not for the whole thing, but for certain areas. If we're trying to carry the whole thing, I don't think that's what God intended because he intended for us to share that burden together. And then took a walk through seven foundations. Jesus is the cornerstone. I talked about the, the place of the fear of God as a foundation in our lives, and that's a healthy and positive thing. It's not a negative thing. I talked about the place of his presence and all that we do, including uh, the Holy Spirit's gifts. I talked about the place of prayer and fasting in the church. 
We can't achieve anything of eternal value without prayer. To quote our speaker from a number of years ago, again, so important. The place of worship as we gather and the place of worship when we're all doing our thing throughout the week. The place of his word in our lives, in our church, and in our community. The place of fellowship and unity in the church. And lastly, the place of the prophetic in the church. Our lives, and I also believe in the community as well. God wants to speak his words in, not just empty words, but words that contain life, life-giving words that we have inside of us, give us life and give others life as well. And I said last week that God had spoke to me through a scripture uh, as I was contemplating uh, where we are as a church. And uh, the scripture was Isaiah 33, 6. As I was thinking about where we are as a church and where we're going as a church, this encouraged me. It says, He will be the sure foundation of your times. Because we've just celebrated 40 years as a church, and uh, we heard from Tom Martin, the first pastor, and uh, he talked about foundations going down for this building. He talked about the prayer that went over the land uh, that we, we now are sitting in just now. And it was just inspiring to hear how the church began again uh, afresh. And we heard from Andrew, who's been so active in the church for 25 years serving. And then I think, okay, it's our turn now. What are we going to do? How are we going to do it? What are we going to see God do? And as I was praying about that, this is the scripture that came. It came twice. He will be the sure foundation of your times, our times, this next time that will come. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge and that the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. God having his place in this church and in our lives. I also made reference to what is currently going on in relation to getting the building uh, ready. And we have to have a building that's in shape and fit for purpose, which includes the, the, the decor, the functionality of the space, um, including uh, thinking about creating a cafe area that welcomes small groups, improving our signage and our communication, as well as the fact that we need to upgrade our tech. Our technology is quite old in the church, or some of it is anyway. For example, the sound system. And I also spoke of the work that was underway already on logo, website, social media, etc., and the use of technology to communicate the good news to our community. The reason for all of this is to provide a place where people can come and feel welcomed into our church family. And not just on a Sunday, but remember, this building is used throughout the week for kids, as you've seen, for youth. We'll maybe show some pictures at other time, Lindsay as well as the older people who meet here throughout the week. We also spoke about the foundation of leadership. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I need to flick through all of them again. I clicked too early. There we go. The foundation of leadership. How God has designed the church to have leaders. It's always been that way. But it's time to establish a better leadership foundation in the church to provide a place where people can come and feel welcomed in our church family. That means that we, the people, also need to be ready. Leaders need to be leading. 
And so all of these things are important. And I wanted to just share some things which are on my heart, okay? You're allowed to give me feedback, okay? It can be a smile, a nod, uh, just an encouragement, some kind of feedback, okay? When I do an assembly, I get the boys and girls to smile, start off because it makes me feel better, and I tell them that it helps me not to feel quite so nervous, okay? Because I'm looking at some of the faces today, and you're making me feel nervous. Sorry about that. It's not you. It's me, okay? Sorry, David. Just you be yourself, pal. What do we see? What do we see as a church? And this is where this is where it needs to start for me. It starts with new Christians coming into the church, people who are exploring what Christianity is about, people who are lost being found. It's about our church reaching out to our community as we did yesterday and as we do in other ways. And it's about engaging with people who are looking for something. I've used this slide before. People who are exploring, but people who maybe don't know the answers to life's questions. Encompass, we've just started a new session in the high school there on answering the difficult questions. Here we go again. We're always looking to answer the difficult questions. And some of the most popular are, why am I here? What's my purpose? Why does God allow pain and suffering? And even harder, if God's a good God, why does he allow pain and suffering in this world? The big questions, the, the questions that people are exploring, that, that, that people need to find meaning for, do you know, I believe that we find the answer to those questions in Christ. And it's when we come to the cross and when we encounter what Jesus has done for us that when we sing songs like this this morning, that tears run down our eyes, uh, run down our cheeks, because we are so aware of what he has done for us. That's where it starts. We've got questions. He's got the answers. Our community is in need and in crisis at times. Who has the answer to that? Jesus has the answer. We have the opportunity, opportunity to share it. And so it's about people who are exploring, coming to meet Jesus. Why? Why Jesus? The Bible tells us that God loved this world so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever, as Alex referred to this morning, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, sometimes we think, what's this life all about? What is it all about? But Jesus gives us this ability to stick our head above life and to see a bigger picture sometimes. And we've thought about that quite a lot recently. To see the bigger picture. There's a far bigger picture at work. Secondly, to disciple these new Christians. Lost people becoming found. Staying found. And not just staying found, as somebody mentioned last Sunday night, but thriving. Thriving as Christians. To make disciples. What did Jesus say? Go did he say go and just invite people to church? Go and, uh, you know, some people might make a, a kind of decision that I, I, I quite like that, but I don't know if I'm ready to do anything about that or not yet. He said go and make disciples, teaching them, baptizing them. And, you know, to use this slide again to come back to it, there's this point when we take that step of faith, we take that some, for some of us, just a, a massive leap of faith to say, I'm going to trust in God. You know, 
we can rationalize this and we can know all the facts, but there's something about when we take that step of faith that the things which we're questioning become real. It's that taking the step of faith. And sometimes for people who are exploring to take that step of faith is the biggest step they'll ever have taken in their lives. And so we come to this place where we're beginning a faith journey with God. It doesn't stay at that place. We need to be growing in God until we become people who are Christ-centered, the people who know Jesus at the heart of their lives. We have a wasp in our midst. Okay, so wasps came after the fall, just so that everybody's aware of that. Yes, okay. Sorry, it's okay, don't worry about it. Um, not, to stay, not to stay at the place uh, of, of just having made that decision, but to be growing in our faith and to get to that place where Jesus is our all in all, where he is the center of our lives. You know, I remember asking the question uh, some time ago, where, where would you place yourself on this? You know, interesting question. And, and nobody really wants to come up to, to this bit and say Christ-centered because we don't want to be so proud and so bold. Um, and maybe we're at the growing stage. Do you know, sometimes, sometimes I would say, I'm, I'm Christ-centered. I live my life in a Christ-centered way. And then there are other times where I act like I'm beginning, okay? So let's be realistic. Life is a learning experience. Life is a journey. I want to see Jean, I don't know if she's here, Jean Curl. Where are you, Jean? I can see you now. We were just having this conversation on the phone this morning about how we're always learning. Always learning. Never, never quite got there. Always learning new things to know in God. We're going to have sound in just a second so that the, the guys are aware of that. And I think one of the things that we need to focus on is reaching not just anybody, but reaching a new generation. And I'm going to reflect on one of the words that Ray Stokes shared with us back in uh, February 2011. It was the 27th of February. And uh, there's a wee bit of dialogue. You'll hear him speaking, and then you'll be able to follow uh, with the words. So let's just listen to what he says here. And I believe that God makes promises to people and to churches. And, and when he wants to fulfill those promises, it really is not about the person or the church. It's about his purposes in the earth, which are to reforest, to plant the trees of righteousness. And I believe that God is wanting you to move forward because there needs to be an expansion of the things of God in this church. There needs to be an expansion. Clearly, you need more room. God wants to move you in a new direction so that there is a release of life and there is increase and a, and a gathering of people. Expansion, new direction, release of life, increase, gathering, these are all words that contain growth. These are all words that are about life, about new life, about developing life. And I was really encouraged as I listened to these words again that Ray spoke into the life of the church. Um, as he was speaking, these words are landing within me and resonating as he's speaking back in 2011. And uh, some of the things that he talks about, uh, we, we've actually seen come to pass, but not everything. 
that he talked about has come to pass. And you know, this might sound like a, a different bit of uh, speech, but it's actually a continuation of what he was saying here. Listen to the next bit. There is a new generation that God is wanting to go out and capture. And we have to be able to have a place to bring them in so that they can be that generation who receives not the methodology of the way we do things, but the truth of what God has revealed to us so that they can take that message to their children and their children's children. And I believe there is a fresh call and a fresh desire and a fresh anointing upon this place that God would bring forth a newness of life here and an outreach here and an outreach there and an in-gathering of people. You know, I, I just heard those words back in February 2011 and inside my whole being was saying, Amen, Amen, let it be so. It was resonating within me. There was life in what was being said and I knew that God was speaking to us. And I would say that since 2011, there has been an expansion, but it's not finished yet. There's further expansion to come. I believe this and many other things which we have spoken about in the life of the church are significant. But we need to think about how we reach another generation, a new generation that we need to go out and capture, as Ray talked about. We need to think seriously about how we communicate. Yes? Ray Stokes is a friend of ours in the church from America, from Texas. Originally, he stays in Reno, Nevada. Ray is a prophet, and he comes and visits us, as hopefully he will do soon, uh, once again, and speaks often into our lives, into the life of the church. And uh, I have ongoing relationship with Ray, uh, and he encourages me from time to time, sending me a wee email. And uh, so it's good to have Ray as part of the, part of the church. He is part of the church. And I think what Ray said on this particular occasion was significant for the life of the church. And I think there is something that we still need to really get hold of here in terms of how we position ourselves and how we do things so that we can reach a new generation. And that's one of the things which I think is really important as we take next steps as a church. I often see myself as the person who stands in between um, I feel sometimes like I stand in between the children and the young people and the kind of older generation as well. I feel like I'm one of these people who's always in the middle. If two people are arguing, I feel as if I'm the, always the person in the middle as well. I just think it's one of these roles that I have in life. And I'm going to stick my neck out here. I hadn't planned to say this, but I feel that part of my role as the senior leader in this church for this time is to manage a transition in the church where we begin to reach a new generation in a way that this church has never done before. I think part of my role is that, and like I say, I hadn't planned to say that. Um, I'm sticking my neck out. I'm sticking my head up above the parapet for it to be shot at. But I think that's why I'm here. I don't know how long I'm here as the senior pastor of this church. But for this point in time, my role, I think, is as a Joshua leader to manage transition manage as crossing over the Jordan River, so to speak, to cross over our Jordan, to leave our past behind. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. It's my mantra. 
God has been telling the Jewish people about all the things that he's done for them. And then he says, forget about those things. Forget the former things. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? A way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. God is doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Yesterday was the evidence of that. You know, I, I dreamed about these things years ago. I dreamed about this church being filled with kids. And here it is happening. And as I prepare that video, and as I watch it over again, and I listen to the songs that we're singing, something inside of me just breaks, because I just have a desire to see our kids come to know Jesus. I have a desire to see our young people come to know Jesus and be serving in the life of the church. I see myself as somebody who stands in the middle and pulls the young people up and pulls the older generation back to meet these incredible young people. They've got so much, so much life, so much to offer, and so has the older generation as well. We can't do it on our own. It's about all of us together. You know, talking about new ministries in the life of the church. Um, what's happened there? I must have went back. Uh, you know, ministries which help us to reach up to God and see God at work in our lives. Ministries that help us to reach out into our community. Ministries that help us in our own journey, in our own faith journey. New levels of ministries. Ministries that give life. Even the things which go on in the life of the church just now, it's attaining to a new level in those ministries. It's in those ministries where people receive life. They're not receiving methods, but receiving life, receiving truth, receiving the things which God has poured into us. And at our Area Leaders Day, um, just a few weeks ago, a chap who was speaking talked about the things that he has learned in the past. And, you know, we can sometimes take them for granted. The more mature Christians in here, the things that have brought you to where you are, the values which you hold in your life. There are some simple, simple things which you might think are really obvious that somebody else doesn't know. And it's about sharing those things in a way that brings life for that person. You know, I believe as we reach into new levels of ministry that there's a cost to that. There's always a cost. The cost for us is sacrifice. To buildings, there is a cost. To staff, there is a cost. The work that we do week by week, there are different ways that that costs us. It costs us our time. It costs us our energy. It costs us our finance. It costs us in so many ways. It can cost us in heartbreak sometimes when we don't see happening what we believe God has said is going to happen. And, and we, that it, creates, it creates something within us that can either take us away from that mission or it can propel us towards that mission and cause us to stick in until we see the breakthrough. We sung that song this morning, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He has given everything for us. What are we prepared to give back in return? 
You know, I think sometimes people are put off becoming a Christian because of what it will cost. And I think about maybe sometimes lifestyle issues. But I've found that as I've got older, as a person, as a Christian, that some of the things which we thought were the important things many years ago aren't the important things at all. Oh, I couldn't become a Christian. I would need to give up insert whatever your thing is. I couldn't become a Christian, it's too insert whatever your thing is. Well, the reality is that when we become Christ-centered, we come to a place where we realize, actually, it costs us everything. Are we prepared to give it back to him? If we're to see new levels of ministry, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us in heartache. It's going to cost us in prayer, in time. It's going to cost us in finance. But I see the church, this church, as a community hub, a place of training, not only a place of worship, but also a place for the community to come, a place for developing new and existing leaders. Our mission is our integral aspect of the church to reach Whitburn and the surrounding villages as well as reaching out to the whole world. And I think what God is showing us as leaders just now isn't necessarily expansion in terms of numbers here, but expansion out the way. More than one location, one church, many locations. Time will be the test of that one. Overseas mission needs to be a central focus of what we do because we're commanded to go into all the world. We have the ability to do that in ways that we never had before. In terms of our building, uh, I said earlier, we're in the process of of, uh, getting the place ready for another phase, really. Um, But one of the things I'd like to see included is a cross, both inside and outside the building raised above the building, a statement to everyone who walks past, a place where people can stop and take note, perhaps a place where people can stop and think. I think a new building uh, is kind of in my heart, but I think back to how it all came about here, I think we need the same word from God to know that it's the right thing. We're not going to move without that. Almost finished. New levels of leadership. We need to begin to raise the bar in leadership. Sometimes it involves redefining roles and responsibilities and expectations. It involves a greater level of accountability. But it also involves greater levels of training as well. If we're to see these things happen, we need to raise our game. And then lastly, the last thing, and it's new levels of unity in his church. Said at the start, it's his church. And uh, I don't hide away from that. It is his church. But Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. The church can be criticized for its disunity, and rightly so. 
The church is called to be one church, a united church. And the Trinity, that doctrine that we believe, one God, three persons, exemplifies harmony and humility. As I said, I'm almost finished. I'm going to share one last thing with you. And it was a picture that came to me while I was praying in here one, uh, one prayer evening just a couple, a couple of months ago. And uh, sitting praying and, and just kind of listening to what God wanted to say. And this very, very vivid picture uh, came into my mind. And I'm going to put up a picture to help us get this. It may help me get this as well. Um, hopefully it'll come up. This is Livingston Football Stadium. Um, over where that big A is at the end of the Motorola. In this picture, that's where I was sitting. And there was a person just kind of on the stand here. And it, all I saw in the picture was one person, this little person in the football stadium on their own going, yeah, oh, yeah. Really, really enthusiastic, but you couldn't hear them. Their voice was barely heard. And even their physical kind of, like, yay, cheering on their team, could hardly be seen. And it made me think about little, tiny people like me who are really excited about the things that we're talking about, but then nobody else is shouting along with it. Tiny, tiny little person. And then the picture transformed to this stadium. This Livingston Stadium, by the way, holds 10,000 people. It was a picture of that stadium being full, and everybody was cheering and jumping about. You can imagine how it is when people, that your team scores a goal. If you're not into football, you won't get it. I'm not really into football, but I've been at football matches where even the team that I don't really support scores, but that's the person I'm with, and it's their team. You jump up out of your seat, and it's like, yes, you all got in yourself. Scored a goal. And the picture was of everybody at the same time making this noise. And the word that I, uh, that I heard in my, my head was this roar. It's the roar of the team uh, chanting on the team that's winning. Um, I, I grew, uh, stayed uh, close to Parkhead, um, a football stadium which none of you all have heard of, probably. Um, but probably about three miles as the crow flies. And when Celtic were playing, you knew when they had won because that place just went and three miles away, you could hear it. And that's what struck me about this picture here. And I'm thinking, okay, what's this all about? And I've, I think what God was saying to me is that he was speaking about unity in the church. He was talking about the church in West Lothian coming together and being together in unity different facets of the church, different aspects, coming together and making him number one and cheering on him for the things that he is doing. What does that mean? I don't know what that means yet, but for me what it means just now is that there's a call for the church to come together and to be united. You know, God hasn't called us to win West Lothian. He's called us to be part of a church that is winning West Lothian. He's called us to come alongside and to serve in our time with the things that we have that we can give to see something significant happen in this area. Not just us, his church. This part of his church playing our part. And so lastly, I encourage us to focus on what is important to God. 
focusing, that effect that you see in that picture is called depth of field. Okay? For photographers, you'll know what I mean. Depth of field, that's a shallow depth of field. And a shallow depth of field in a picture helps us to focus on a tiny, tiny area. We don't see what's this side yet, and we don't see what's that side yet. It's all out of focus. What we focus on is the thing that's most important, it's the subject. And I think we need to get to that place in our own lives where we focus on the thing that God is calling us to focus on, our priority, our number one. And if we all begin to do that and focus on the thing that God is saying to us, then what we will see is the complete picture. Depth of field that's that kind of depth of field where everything's in focus. But we're focusing on the part that God is calling us to focus on. You, the things that God has put into you and has called you to do in this time, in this place, in this generation, the God that was the God of the generation past is the God of this generation now, is the God of our children and their children. And to see things happen, that when people look back in history, they'll applaud and they'll say, God did something incredible in that generation in that time. What's our response going to be? Are we going to say, here am I, send me? Or are we going to just kind of, ah, we'll just leave it to those guys over there. They know what they're doing, and uh, I'm busy with work now, and all sorts of things going on, and Oh, there's family commitments and this, that, and the next thing. Um, we'll just leave it, we'll leave it to the other guys. They, they seem to have it all under control. Or are we going to be the people who say, what can I do? How can I serve? What's the one thing that God wants me to focus on? And begin to do that thing, that thing which God has called you to do. The thing which has been in your heart for many years to do, and you've not seen it happen yet. And being aware of God's timing and Him saying, this is the time. The reason this church was filled with kids yesterday is because back in 2011, at a conference, there's a wee green light came on to say, it's time for this to happen. God's time. And as Ray talked about, a number of ministries which started back in 2012, one of them being the food bank, it's time, time for these things to happen. It's time for us to cross over the Jordan River. It's time for us to, figuratively speaking, it's time for us to cross over into the things that God has called us to. Not to stay in the past, not to stay in what's familiar, but to cross over into this new thing that God wants us to do. It's time, time to move on. Will you play your part? I'll be really encouraged if you play your part. I wonder if we can just pray just for a little second before we come to communion. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in our time and in our generation. And Father, we look at those who have gone before 
And Father, we are just amazed by the things which you have done through individuals in history and the past. And Father, our desire is not to be, uh, not to just do what they did, because that was cool to do, but Father, to listen to you and to know what our one thing is, that thing which you're calling us to do. And Father, we pray that you would, if we don't know what that is, that you would show us what it is. Father, that you would show us how we fit into your plans and into your purposes. Because, Father, it's our desire uh, not to hold back the things which you want to do because we're to this or to that or not enough of this or not enough of that. Father, we want to be in time with the things which you're doing and saying. And so, Father, we pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us in these things. Father, we pray that as a church we would grasp the fact that this is our time. This is our time as a church to move into something new, something which you have planned for this church. Lord, we ask that you'd help us to find our place along with other churches in the town and, Father, along with other churches in West Lothian to know how we play our part. We want to be effective in our time. And so, Father, we pray that you would just come by your Spirit even now And, Father, that you begin to drop things into our hearts. Father, pictures, thoughts, just things which you have been saying to us, even the things which have been in our hearts in the past. Father, that you'd begin to stir those things up in this place. Father, that you'd stir us up and be aware of what you're saying to us, but also to be aware of the timing of things as well. Father, we pray that you'd stir up the gift of leadership in the church. Father, that you would stir up the things of the Spirit in the church. Lord, that you would lead us into your purposes. Father, that you would lead us so clearly. Father, guide us. We need you. We can't do this on our own. Father, we need the Holy Spirit. We need you. We need your voice. We just need to know uh, exactly all the things that you're saying. We need to know the, the, the strategy for making the things happen which you're saying to us. And so, Father, we pray that as we go into the weeks and months ahead that you continue to reveal that strategy to us. And, Father, we pray that you'd help us to be obedient to all that you call us to. Lord, we just thank you for uh, the many blessings which you've poured into us, showered upon us. And, Father, we pray that you would just accept what we have to offer to you in return. Father, I, I pray that we would give it freely. Father, we pray that you would stir up the dreams within us. Father, that you would stir up the visions within us. Father, that you would stir up that passion within us. Father, we pray that we would become all that you intend us to be. It's wonderful, folks. Um, Just before we uh, come to communion, I know that time's marching on, but I just feel we need to respond to what God is saying this morning. And I think we need to respond by standing. If you are saying, I'm in, 
a part of what God wants to do in this place, then I just invite you to stand um, just now before we, before we move on. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for your grace which enables us to do things which we could never do in our own strength. And Father, we come and we receive of you today. Father, we receive that grace into our lives. And Father, we ask that you would pour into us the things which we need at the times when we need them. Father, in the moments where we think, I can't do this, Father, may we experience your grace coming into our lives, enabling us to do the things which for us would seem impossible. Father, we pray that what is achieved in this generation and this time and for the generations that follow, Father, we pray there would be a God-sized thing which is achieved. Father, we pray that you would save people. Father, that you would give people hope. Father, that you would give people purpose in life and meaning in life. And Father, we give ourselves today, Father, everyone who's standing in this place today, Father, even those who maybe are not able to stand but are in their hearts they're standing. And Father, we just pray that you would give us the grace to carry these things through into completion. Father, to play our part in our time, in the time that's allocated to us. Father, remembering that the days are short. Father, remembering that opportunities have a shelf life. And Father, we pray that you'd help us to act when you speak to follow what you say and to act quickly. Father, we pray uh, that you just continue to pour out your spirit in this church. Father, we pray that you take us to new levels in every area of ministry. Father, that we would see uh, new levels of fruitfulness in all that is done in every area from the youngest to the oldest. And Lord, we pray that you'd keep your hand upon us. Father, we pray for your peace to be over this congregation. Father, for unity to be across this con congregation. Father, to, to see purposefulness across this congregation. And Father, for those who you're already speaking to, Father, for those who you have already been speaking to and saying it's time, it's time for this to happen. Father, we pray for the courage to step out into that. Father, for those who have dreams, but it's not time, Father, that they would keep seek, seeking you uh, for, for that good time, that perfect time, for the fulfillment of those dreams. Help us not to cast them aside, Father, but to hold on to those things and to hold on to you until we see them come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen.